So today we have two very special guests on the show that I'm stoked about talking to. They've been friends of ours for a while, and they are, like us, a couple who are in the world of personal development. Yeah, I'm really intrigued too, because they do some interesting work, and uh, I'm looking to hear more about them sharing those details with our audience. Yeah. So we want to welcome Steve and Lisa Watts-Smith. Steve Smith is a licensed marriage and family therapist in the field for over 15 years, working with couples and individuals on their spiritual, emotional growth, as well as their relationships. He's also the author of The Enlightened Relationship, Mastering the Metaphysics of Love. As a former Stanford football quarterback, Steve has had a transformational journey into the world of therapy and personal development. His wife, Lisa Watts-Smith, has been a shaman for over a decade. She's also been in corporate event planning with her own company for over 25 years. Recently, Lisa has become a certified positive intelligence coach, which she uses as a platform to help others with their personal growth and development. Welcome Lisa and Steve to the show. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah, thank you so much for for having us. Yes, very delighted to be here, excited to talk to you. Yeah, we're delighted to have you. the Natural Healing Podcast, the show designed to guide, inspire, and empower you to elevate your health so you can achieve your goals and dreams. We are your hosts, Dr. Satar Mawafi and Salvador Cephalou, a husband and wife team of acupuncturists and owners of a Center for Natural Healing, an integrative wellness clinic based in the heart of Silicon Valley. We're here to make the ancient wisdom of healing practical and accessible for your modern lifestyle. Steve, we're going to start with you. And, uh, you know, I'm a football fan. (laughs) And I haven't really heard about your story as as a college athlete, and especially how you got into uh, the work you're currently doing. Why don't you give us a little background? Yes, absolutely. I was always into athletics growing up and lived in Louisiana, that's where I'm from, and got recruited to play football at Stanford. So came out and uh, played football and uh, majored in economics at the time, thinking I was going to go into the business world. And so after I graduated, I did that. I, I worked in the business world for a little while and was not fulfilled. It didn't feel like it was in alignment with who I was. So I gradually started to explore other options. And in doing that, I was also beginning to feel a real transformation happening within me because I was really exploring kind of my own deeper wounds and my own issues that needed to be healed. And so as I did that, I started to experience a sense of love, a sense of oneness with something inside of me that I'd never experienced before. And from that, I decided, you know, I really want to help other people to transform in this way, to have these kinds of experiences. So 
that sort of instigated my move into the world of therapy. So then I decided I went back to school, got a master's degree in counseling psychology. And uh, that was in 2000, graduated in 2003, interned for a while. And so basically been doing it ever since. And then this book uh, sounds very intriguing, the, the metaphysics of relationship. Can you give us a little insight on that? Yeah, absolutely. So as I delved more into psychology, I was also exploring more about energy and metaphysical concepts. And, and I found that you really can't really separate them I mean, because they, they play into each other. And realizing that our beliefs, our emotions, our thoughts are actually being transmitted to each other unconsciously. And that has an effect on our relationships. And so that's kind of the, the metaphysical part of it is that we are, in a sense, creating issues in our relationships through our belief systems and thoughts and emotions. And so the book is really about how to navigate that and also to how to create a relationship that is more in alignment with kind of your higher self, what's in your highest good, and co-creating that kind of relationship with your partner. So yeah, it's been out for a little while now. I'm excited about it and uh, be happy to talk more about that too. Yeah, the enlightened relationship. I mean, isn't that when we're on a conscious path with relationship, what we're all kind of seeking, but don't really have the tools sometimes to cultivate? What, what's been your experience with that? Yes. Well, I mean, it's a journey. I don't think there is a destination of enlightened relationship. I think it's just a journey of, of, of progressing on that path. And a lot of the book is, is about the concepts related to that, how to get to that state of co-creating that with your partner. A lot of it is, is about first tuning in to yourself, to your own internal guidance, your own internal spirit, making sure that that is, you know, you're really connected there first before trying to engage with another person uh, because that, that connection to self first has to come first. And I can see how that could pose a problem right off the bat, because as you, as an individual is, you know, working on, you know, opening their own heart to themselves and then to their partner, I'm sure there's lots of barriers that person might meet when trying to engage their, their partner in that same journey. Can you talk about that a bit? Yes. Well, in relationships, it often becomes kind of a trap that we, we start to look externally at the other person too much in terms of what they're doing, what they're not doing. And then we lose sight of what's going on inside of us and how we might actually be creating or at least contributing to what's going on. So a lot of the work is kind of helping people turn back to themselves, look inside, say, you know, what's going on here? What Am I holding on to judgments? Am I holding on to resentments? Am I holding on to things that are actually co-creating the problems in this relationship. So helping people to turn back to self is a big part of it. And then once you do some work there, then you can turn towards the other person and connect more deeply and have a richer, richer relationship. Yeah. I love that approach to relationship in general is to start with the self rather than, you know, immediately start like kind of doing the work as a couple. I mean, you can definitely progress to that obviously, but it's nice to have the focal point be if you really want an enlightened or a conscious relationship that that all starts with you. That's very empowering. Yes, it is. And of course, your emotional state is going to dictate 
a lot of what's going on in your relationship. So if you're not regulating your emotions and staying in a place of well-being or coherence or something where you can actually have deeper conversations, you can think more creatively. If you lose sight of that, then you know things spiral, we get reactive, we get into fight or flight stress responses, and things tend to break down. Well, and that happens regardless anyway. So, I mean, that might mean no matter how good we're being, we're still going to have those reactions. We're still going to have those things. But, but finding ways to manage them, having tools to, to catch ourselves, to be more self-aware is a big part of not just the book, but the work that I do with couples. Yeah, that's powerful. And it, it reminds me because it makes me think as we're, we're having this conversation as two couples and definitely... Lisa, you're going to be a big part of this conversation as well, because I know Lisa, uh, Steve's been talking right now. We're getting into his story. But it is interesting to me because a lot of times I feel like when you are on this conscious path and you're doing this work and you're in a relationship where you're both into personal development and growth, the kind of myth around the relationship is that you're already there. You're living this enlightened relationship that, you know, you've achieved some sort of, but it's really, like you said, it's a process and there's so many challenges. And the most important thing, as you also mentioned, Steve, is that you have the tools that when you catch yourself getting really irascible or really upset or really, you know, triggered is that the empowerment comes from having those tools. And it sounds like that's what you do in the work that you do with individuals and couples, right? That's correct. Yeah. Both for individuals and couples, helping them to emotionally regulate, especially during conversations, but then also doing some of the deeper meditative work, self-exploration, helping people to understand what, what their belief systems really are, deeper belief systems, and then transforming those into belief systems that actually serve us rather than hinder us or interfere with uh, what we truly want in our relationships. Uh, a lot of it comes down to you know, feelings of either unworthiness or feeling like there's something wrong with us in some way, like we're not enough. A lot of our limiting beliefs, you know, come down to some version of that. And so helping people to explore that and to uncover that so that we can bring it up and then transform that is a big part of the work too. Yeah. And then the, the self-awareness is critical because a big part of the breakdown in, in this relation relating with others is how we're projecting a lot of our own issues onto them yes and i think we all do that everyone's raising their hand yeah it's, <laughs> it's hard not to you know and but it is part of the work is to catch yourself when because almost everything is a projection so if you can recognize that well what am i projecting right now onto you you know and so that's why a lot of the work is coming back to self saying you know what's going on inside of me and it also makes me think of the uh, the unconscious self, you know, where I know Lisa's going to get into our wounded inner child, which is often uh, uh, expressing itself in those moments of stress. That's when we see our shadow qualities bubble up and they're not the prettiest things to see. Yeah, there's inner child, that inner child that needs, you know, something that it feels like it's not getting in that moment, you know, it needs nurturing or protection or safety and and we don't feel like we're getting it. And so then it comes up and sabotages, can, can sabotage things too. But it's trying to, it's just trying to get its needs met. It's trying to protect us or, or feel safe in some way. Yeah, get attention. Get attention. Right. We yeah. all have different childhood stories, right? Somewhere. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Things that we didn't receive in childhood and that are not quite healed yet. And that, that certainly comes up in relationships. Absolutely. 
So that we have kind of an idea, Steve, of the work that you do with people, I want to know if, if you would be willing to share like an example. Like if I were to come to you and say, you know, I'm having a really, really difficult time in my relationship. I don't know what to do. Should I be, you know, splitting up? Should I be, I mean, can you give us an example of like a tool you would offer somebody who's really struggling, who comes into your office and the kind of work or where you would kind of begin. I know it's different for each person, but I just want to get a a general sense of the type of work that you're doing with these individuals. Well, something like that, let's say someone's coming in trying to make a decision like that. Like you're saying, like, is this relationship right for me? Or do I make this decision or go this way or that way? So, so then the, we might try some guided imagery or, kind of deeper meditative work to, to help them access their actual, their inner guidance, their own inner self. And so that would probably be experiential work. At least I would try that first. That, that's often a lot of what I do is, is helping people get into more open and relaxed states so they can actually hear their own inner guidance and internal wisdom that's coming from within. And if there are interferences with that, let's say a part of them it could be a part of them that's trying to protect them or a part of them that's afraid. Then we might do a little bit of work with that part. For example, I don't know if you know about gestalt work, but we might, we might interact with that part. We might have a conversation, let's say, with a part that's afraid and help to give that part what it needs so that it can calm down. And now I can get back to accessing my inner guidance again. So it's, it's relating to different parts of us in ways that are nurturing part, these parts that, that may be interfering with, with what we want and then beginning to access our highest wisdom and the, the internal self. Yeah, excellent. It's something that we've actually uh, touched on, how just through the process of becoming aware, the healing occurs. Yes. And yeah, that awareness always starts like within you, which is the challenging part like, with relationship, I think, is we often, it's so easy to blame the other and be like, well, if this person would just change then then the relationship could work. And then, you know, the other person's ruining everything. And it's so beautiful to have the tools to, to develop your own inner awareness and have that, you know, kind of go within to see, well, what's the truth for you? Yeah. And that's where, for me, that's where the, the metaphysical or the energetic part comes in and why it's so important to understand is because there's this principle that says in order to create any kind of lasting change in our external world, we've got to change internally first. We've, we've got to shift something inside of us because if we don't, even if we make some external change, it's going to return back to what it was if we haven't shifted internally first. So yeah, because we're not, because we're still projecting that same energy into the world. And so we're going to recreate the same patterns until we make a real internal shift and now shift what we are actually putting out in the world in terms of energy. Yeah. We've talked on the show before about how your thoughts are things and what you think does manifest your reality. And it goes the same in your relationships. This is a great segue to get Lisa in because you work a lot with that internal terrain in the individuals and their blocks. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the work you do? I do. Um, and it, it's a perfect segue because as Steve was talking about the energy, getting to the energy and cha- making a change, the whole reason people come to see me is because they have a block that they have been trying to either change by talking to a therapist or change by going to 
different people to get help. And when they come to my office, we work on actually releasing the energetic patterns from their energy body so that they're not responding in the same way. So when someone comes to see me, I can feel like where they're hooked or there's blockages or they're stressed. And then my job is to help them release that energy so that their energy field can process in a new way and we can light that part back up, the part that where we've removed the imprint, if you will, and then light that place back up so that they can feel the shift and the change within their own self as well. So it's perfect hand in hand. You know, Lisa, this is a more mundane example, but it's something that just popped into my head and I wanted to share with the audience. It's, it's something that's, uh, it's definitely metaphysical. So years ago, I used to, uh, work with a young gal who was training to be a psychic doing work at the Berkeley Psychic Institute. And so I, I used her kind of like a counselor and I'd work on my issues. Well, one time I just simply had this recurring shoulder pain that I wanted to see what she had to say about it. So she closes her eyes and checks in. And she goes, oh, you just have a tear in your aura right in that area. And uh, you've got like different, you know, entities just kind of like poking at you and agitating your, your body. Let me patch it up for you. So she just does some like energy work over my shoulder and it never came back again. This was a recurring problem. <laughs> That's not awesome. I do have people who come to me for physical ailments as well, or before they go to get a cancer read, they'll come to see me first to release the energy around it so we can see the healed state and really get them cleared up before they go in for testing. It's awesome. What I find most fascinating about you as a person and about your work, Lisa, first of all, that you have such a bubbly personality, it's easy for people to connect with you. Even if they don't believe in the metaphysical, I would think that you'd be somebody who'd be able to lure people who are non-believers into the world of metaphysics. But the most fascinating thing for me is how I want to hear your story about how you shifted from this corporate world of event planning, which I know you did for 25 or so years, into the world of metaphysics and into shamanism, which is really like the depth of that world. I would love to share that story. So honestly, I didn't know anything really about shamanism until Steve said, let's go see the shaman speak in Colorado. And I was just like, okay, that's kind of strange, but I'll go with you. And I went with him and I had like almost like an awakening on site in Colorado. And after we'd done a bunch of ceremony and things like that, and I thought they had put something in my tea or something. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how like physical and visceral the experience was for me. And I saw a lot of things within that experience of how to heal people how to actually work with my hands, how to work with my rattles. I actually started having dreams when I got home and I was like, this is so weird. And then every night I'd be like, Steve, Steve, I just had a dream that our next door neighbor or something's going out their stomach and we have to heal. I have to heal it. And, and then I started <laughs> see, having a lot of dreams about things. And Steve's like, I'm like, but I don't believe in any of this stuff. <laughs> she, she resisted it. I resisted. She, she resisted it for a while. Actually. Long time. For about for a long time. Six months of dreams every night on how to heal people, what I should be doing, how I should be showing up in the world. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then finally he, he was like, come on. He's like, you could just go, just go. And I had a one-year-old at the time. So, and I, I would leave for two weeks at a time for three years training with shamans all over the world. 
Wow. How many husbands do that? None. <laughs> <laughs> Not too many men in the world. <laughs> Come from that pizza closet. <laughs> well, you know, that's one of the benefits of having our own jobs and, uh, you know, being able to create our own schedules, right? We have that flexibility to do that, so. No, but just encouraging her to pursue the work in in shamanism. Oh, yeah, yeah. He really did encourage me. You know, he was actually, he didn't just encourage me there. He also really helped me with my event business and um, with every business that I've actually had. He's always been very supportive and always helping me and doing all the economics around everything and handling all the details that I don't like to do. <laughs> so that so major awesome. did come in handy for you then, Steve. Yes, She's not grounded enough, Steve. So you want to talk a little bit about your event planning business and now what you're doing the work from how that kind of brought you into the work that you're doing now in terms of the positive intelligence coaching? So I have been doing, again, I've been doing corporate events for years and I've worked with a lot of HR teams and um, people facilitating celebrations and so forth. And for the last what 10 years, I've been trying to get out of it and uh, my clients just won't let me, wouldn't let me until... <laughs> It was just too enticing to go back and plan a big grand <laughs> gala. So I would do, I would work part-time doing my shaman work and part-time doing my like half and half uh, event planning. And then the big COVID happened. And so it was like, yay, I, the universe is supporting me and saying stop events. And I got this opportunity to take this course with positive intelligence. And I have a partner that I work with and we lead women's groups and people into helping them develop their internal negotiations with themselves. Like he was talking about, um, Steve was talking about emotional regulation. So we have uh, saboteurs in our mind. We have these different pieces of our personality that we struggle with or deal with or that hurt us and help us. Like, for example, my big saboteur is I'm a high achiever. And that's a great thing in some ways, but it's also really detrimental as far as my stress levels and it doesn't help my family, right? So with using the positive intelligence tools, how I've been able to navigate a better way for myself is you get back into your body and you're using the tools of the app to get back in. And I, I'm coaching people how to do that. How do you move from a saboteur response to a sage response? How do you move from like the negativity to a more calm and possible way of being. So what I noticed about it that I love so much was it really brought language to my shaman work that I wouldn't be able to speak about with my VPs in the companies that I were working with people. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it became a more seamless, uh, not really a transition, but just bridging the, the work that you do. Well, I can see now, actually, as we're sitting here talking, how it's all really come together because when, when did I write my, my book? Hashtag Engage, probably five, six years ago, seven years ago, with another colleague from Microsoft. And it was a, bringing the spiritual to the workplace and how do you merge those two things. So I find that positive intelligence is the perfect bridge to bring a, not necessarily spirituality, but self-actualization and emotional control to a workplace where people can understand each other and how they work with each other better by understanding whose saboteurs are doing what and how do they get out of the judgment state, right? Into a place of coherence and connection. Yeah. And just be functional. I mean, needless to say, the corporate environment is stressful. 
and those inner children are going to be ranting and raving and throwing fits. Yeah, and that gives them the perfect tool to to raise their emotional awareness. So even if they're not wanting to embark on a spiritual path, at, at least they'd be willing to like look at what's happening, right? Internally. Well, you're helping create a conscious corporate culture. We need a lot I'd more like of that. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, it is. I love it. It's super fun. And I love working with younger women too and just just watching them grow and change and learn how to just dive into their lives with a new possibility of engagement. And, and also become more empowered because yeah. you know, just the theme of for women in general is they're not fully empowered in our society. No secret. And especially in the workplace. Exactly. Exactly. So what about the two of you together? So we know about, you know, your individual work, which is really beautiful how do you weave those two worlds together or do you keep them totally separate? I mean, as, as a couple, like, do you guys have a good relationship? <laughs> That's not what I mean. <laughs> of course, it's an enlightened relationship. <laughs> do you have a good relationship? <laughs> How enlightened is your relationship exactly? <laughs> It ebbs and flows. Yeah. Let's be clear. We, sometimes okay. it's actually pretty dark. <laughs> and then sometimes it's really amazing. Yes. So Yeah, a lot, a lot of ups and downs. And especially this past year over the COVID, we've had to really work at separating ourselves because we're together all the time. Of course, most people are now too. But getting that balance of getting separation and getting away from each other has been a big challenge for this past year. But, so we're still working on that, navigating that in a, in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that I love about a marriage with Steve is like, I love Steve. Like he's always been my like dream person. You know, when I saw him many years before I met him, I knew I was going to marry him. Like I just saw him across the room. I'm like, that's the guy I'm going to marry. Hmm. Wow. And yeah. And I saw him around town for years in Palo Alto. And I'm finally one time he came to a party and I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> so... <laughs> What I find interesting about this work is because of what we do in the world, it's like there's an expectation in our home that's probably higher than yes, most, right? And so trying to navigate, where's the balance of the expectation? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think we can identify with that completely. And that was kind of what I was driving the conversation, I think, towards even, you know, subconsciously was just this understanding of when you are both on, you know, very similar paths, you're, you're very aligned with your values and with your life purpose. You're both clear about what that is. And you've both, you know, had a journey that has gotten you here through your own personal transformation. So you've both done your inner work and are continuing to, but then that does create this expectation of that things should always be a certain way. They should certainly be at this high vibration peaceful, harmonious. And that's not the reality. I mean, I want to emphasize that because we've had people, you know, tell us all the time, oh, you must live like this blissful, perfect, whatever life. And it's like, it is wonderful. I mean, just like you said, I mean, I love Salvador. We have a great relationship and there's a lot of challenges. And I think space heals so much. And that self-awareness and that self-development is also so healing. I think we also have to be real that everything is cyclical, right? Mm-hmm. And, yes. I mean, just fundamentally, a woman really is a good example of just watching the cycles, you know, hormonally and how that impacts them. 
impacts you uh, emotionally, psychologically. And men have that as well. I mean, it's not just, it's not just a feminine uh, experience. And then you have seasonal, you know, you got the energy rising right now with spring that changes things. Some people who have a more of a stagnant liver or toxic liver, a lot of heat in their body, they're going to be more uh, irritable. We talk about that in our upcoming uh, podcast. So there's so many factors. It's like, it really, it just makes me think we have to be a little bit more patient with our, mm-hmm. and, and accepting of ourselves and our circumstance with our partner. I love that you're saying that because I truly believe that's where it has to go back to. How can you have more compassion and empathy for yourself first? Be a little more gentle and kind around the mistakes that you've made. Right. And then come back and and just meet the person. And you still may be tender and hurt and you still may be upset, but you don't have to fight about it. You can just hold back a little bit and just kind of navigate a new way because it doesn't work to have the big explosions. And uh, I'm an explosive person, period. I just am. Yeah, I'm Italian. And, um, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. But uh, just, that's just who I am. And so it's to be able to hold back and just get a little more perspective and step back a bit is very helpful. Yeah, it's, for me, speaking of the expectations, that is one of my challenges for myself because I, I have really high expectations for myself and especially in our relationship, because I'm, you know, that's what I do. I help people in relationships. So when we are struggling in our relationship, or if I'm struggling, it's especially hard on me. I, it's hard for me to, to have the kind of the compassion for myself and for us going through that. So that's, that's part of the, my own work of my own healing is, is just being patient and kind with us and myself as we navigate our own challenges. Yeah, that's beautifully said and so true. And I think when we do do this work for others, there is a standard that we kind of hold ourselves to that's a little bit too harsh. Like I find myself doing that with myself as well. It's like, why can't I be as non-judgmental and loving and compassionate as I am towards my patients as and my clients as I am, you know, have that same level for myself and for my partner sometimes too. Well, we've talked about that theme how the, uh, the, uh, the virtue of the lungs is to help let go and you have to be able to embrace forgiveness, you know, to be able to, to have that experience. And what it presses in Chinese medicine, what it presses the lungs to have that experience of non-judgment and be less critical is uh, what it presses that is the liver. And we were just talking about how, you know, stress fires up the liver and Stress is ubiquitous in, in society, in modern society, for sure. And uh, so you can see how that's an even harder virtue to cultivate, to let go and not be so judgmental of ourselves and others. Yeah, and then that's what allows the heart to open when you're not so judgmental, when you're able to have that compassion for yourself and for others. Yeah, that's why that's the ultimate thing. It's funny you guys are mentioning this because I just, so recently I had some blood work done and my liver was high in certain enzymes, enzymes. Or, or something. Yeah. And I was having some health issues along with that. Like my immune system was down and kept getting sick. And in my meditation, I realized that my liver was holding a lot of toxicity, emotional toxicity, a lot of anger and hurt and pain. And it just came to me in my meditation. And so then I began to just begin to love and nurture my liver 
kind of emotionally and also began to forgive both myself and Lisa. And it's been a very powerful healing journey for me. But it, it became really clear that my liver was holding all that and that was part of what was going on. So I'm on that path right now to try to heal all that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's profound realization. I, it reminds me of, a, of another story. Years ago, I ran into, a, he was a massage client of mine when I first started my journey in healthcare. It was as a massage therapist. So years later, I ran into this gentleman and when I asked him how he's doing, he says, well, I, I developed cirrhosis of the liver. So of course I asked him, I said, you know, have you been a long time you know, drinking problem, alcohol excess? And he had the awareness to say, no, I've just been angry all of my life. And that's the emotion of the liver. And he just inflamed his liver to the point where it just started to just scar up. Pretty profound, huh? Yeah. Yeah, he probably wasn't yeah, releasing and expressing the way he needed to. It's the same thing that I do. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm more like you as well, Steve. It's hard for me to express my anger. I think... I don't know about your background, Lisa, but Salvador, you mentioned your Italian background. It's like some cultures or some DNA or something just makes, gives the propensity for bolder expression than others. And yeah, I prod you pretty well to get it out though. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) But you know, it is, it's like, but, but the, the power of, of what you just said about like the liver and what we've been talking about and like your experience, Steve, is that when we understand the emotions that can be held within these organ systems, it's so much, it's so empowering. Like you can really learn to let them go and to free them just by having that awareness. Cause you hear about, you know, people becoming brokenhearted and they literally have like heart attacks or, you know, congestive heart failure. People have anger issues and they develop cirrhosis of the liver. So it's not a coincidence when we experience a lot of these diseases or these, you know, diseases. And as long as we're aware of those patterns, then we can do the work to liberate ourselves from them. And that's why it's so important, the work you, you two are doing with the personal growth and development, interpersonal relationship, healing, you know, how that's going to have such a profound effect on a person's physical health as well. Yeah. Yeah. And the beauty of what you're doing is that a lot of times I'm sure people come to you in crisis Mm -hmm. and those are the times where we're most vulnerable and most kind of accessible to change. And I'm sure you, you experience that if you want to speak to that a little bit. Yeah, that is, uh, I do see that a lot, that, that that's when we're most willing to do the change. And I, mean, I guess that's unfortunate because if we could just, mm-hmm. <laughs> if we could just kind of continually grow as we live, we wouldn't probably have to go through so much pain, but we, we kind of wait go through a crisis and then we say, oh, wait a minute, I really need to change here. And unfortunately, sometimes it takes that crisis moment to, to snap us out of something or really motivate or inspire us to make the change. But yeah, even so, we can use it for that reason. And so that's, uh, that I, I do see that a lot of people coming in, in in those states. And you too, Lisa? Yes, totally. A, a lot of people come in crisis. But now I'm, I have a, um, a solid group of clients that I've been working with for a, a while now. We just meet monthly and just try and keep up with the energy and make sure that we're working with the energy to cleanse and to release monthly. That way, that way there's movement. That way there's growth. That way it, we're not getting to this point of complete 
disaster before I meet with them again. So it's, it's become really beautiful to watch and witness the growth in the clients that I have been working with for years. I just love it. So beautiful. I just and what admire. a testament that is to, to the importance of doing continuous, consistent work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's like, like maintenance exercise. care mm-hmm. yeah. rather, rather than just, you know, trying to just rebuild. Mm-hmm. Spiritual mm-hmm. maintenance. We're not cars, I always tell my patients. <laughs> We're it, not. It, you can't just get fixed and go. You it to take some time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I love about the um, positive intelligence because it's a mental fitness model. So the idea is you are working on your mental fitness just like you would work on your physical fitness. You're working on getting back in your body, getting back to the present moment, getting awareness around what you're thinking, and then changing it and holding it differently beautiful. Yeah. So what's the biggest lesson or takeaway that you think you can share from the experiences you've had in the work that you're doing, or even just from your personal experiences over this past most challenging year? Some tips that you could share maybe as uh, pearls of wisdom that could help support some of our listeners. I mean, this episode is full of them, but maybe you could <laughs> highlight yeah, uh, a couple. One thing I have all my clients do when I meet with them, and I'm even doing this with my positive intelligence groups, is it's really important to set your day up and just get calm and present. And Steve taught me this many, many years ago, and I, I used to get so resentful when he'd say, you have to take care of yourself first. I'd be like... I don't have time to take care of myself. He's like, but you do. Well, you're a, um, <laughs> that's, the mom, that's the mom syndrome. Right. That is mom syndrome. And we do have a child. So, but finally, once I started doing that by getting up and first things first is I meditate every day. And then after meditation, I, I do a gratitude journal. And I have to say that doing that daily is key to a mindful way of at least opening up your morning. And then that's why I like the positive intelligence because that's bringing it throughout the day where you're stopping and pausing and breathing and looking. And another thing for me personally is I think if you get out and move every day is a key to your mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and energetic movement. Yeah, it goes beyond physical fitness Mm -hmm. for sure. Sparks your vitality. Mm -hmm. How about you, Steve? Yeah. Well, I would first of all second that because I my my morning routine is essential for me now, which does include meditation, exercise, and journaling. And if I don't do those, I feel myself a little off during the day. I'm not quite as centered or grounded. I react a little bit more. So that has become an essential part of my my living. But I would also say the concept of of self forgiveness and self love is also kind of at the core. Of, of almost everything because if we can if we can get to that place of truly accepting loving ourselves forgiving ourselves for anything we've you know kind of we're holding on to that's kind of the doorway to healing almost anything because most of our issues come from from some form of self-blame self-criticism holding on to past mistakes etc so so I would say for people, that's a, to look there first. You know, what is, are there things I need to forgive? Are there things, aspects of myself that I want to love and accept as a kind of a central component to all of our healing? Wonderful. Beautiful. And for our listeners to find each of you, where can they go? So my website is theenlightenedmind.net. Theenlightenedmind.net. Night, and pretty much everything is, is there on the website. And my website is lisawattsmith.com. 
That's mm-hmm. one of my websites. That's for my shaman work. And then my other one is for the PQ for corporate is Watts, W-A-T-T-S, PQ.com. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It was really enlightening. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for thank having you us. For having Wonderful so to be here with fun. you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks a lot. Now we want to hear from you. Visit acenterfornaturalhealing.com forward slash enlightened and let us know in the comments which part of the conversation with Lisa and Steve you found most enlightening or helpful. And thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Natural Healing Podcast. We look forward to having you join us again next time. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.